You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. In the Bible, there are several stories about things that are lost. And what we're doing is we're continuing our sermon series this morning called Upside Down, and we're talking about all the ways in which Jesus turns the world upside down and how Jesus turns the world upside down with these very short stories called parables. Now, parables are are so much fun to me because they're so short, a sentence or two, maybe less, as we'll see for some today, and yet they hold truth that can last forever and truth that can continue to unfold and shape our life, where one season it speaks to us in this way and another season it speaks to us differently. So we're going to look at three parables this morning that talk about things that are lost. And as I think about these particular parables, the, the part that sticks with me and reminds me is of a time that I lost my hermit crab, my hermit crab. And this happened when I was in graduate school and seminary. And we had a little one-bedroom apartment, and we had bought this hermit crab, and we had him in one of those little cases, one of those little clear cases that, that you can buy. And that was the only pet we had. We didn't have kids. And so I wanted to take really good care of this hermit crab. And, and occasionally when I was at home, if I wasn't in class and I was home studying, I would take the hermit crab out and I'd kind of put up these little boundaries so that, you know, he could stretch his legs and, and kind of get out and, and move around a little bit. Uh, and I remember I had had him in the front and I was back in the back and I was probably working on a paper or typing something up and I came back out to check on him and all of a sudden he was gone. He wasn't there anymore. This had not happened before. I had made this, this great little fence, but somehow he had found, found a way to get out. I'm assuming he climbed over. And all of a sudden, I start looking around for him. And, and I want to give you a picture. Our, our first apartment was 300 square feet. It, it made the term efficiency apartment you know, you know, seem like, like a stretch. So this was not a large room that I was searching and I remember searching here and searching there. And the problem was, was that I needed to find him, put him back in his case so that I could go to class. But I was not going to go to class without finding him. And I remember kind of this sense of panic coming over me and being worried that I couldn't find him. And I remember just, you know, kind of tearing things apart, moving things, moving this way. And finally, I moved the couch and I found that he had hidden behind the leg of the couch kind of back against the wall, almost like he was trying to get away from me, which couldn't be the case. And, and I was so relieved when I found him that I may have, like, shouted for joy. I may have shed a few happy tears, which I did. And I was so excited and thrilled when I found the little guy that he wasn't lost, that he wasn't hurt, that he wasn't missing. And maybe it seems extreme, but but I proceeded to go to class, and many of those who were in that particular class with me were others who lived in the same student housing apartment complex as me. And even though I was late to class, I made sure to let them know when I got there, hey, my crab was missing and I found him. <laughs> they thought that probably was a little bit crazy, but I was so thrilled that I couldn't help but share the good news. I needed to make sure that everybody knew that what was lost was found. My hunch is that if that story sounds a little humorous and silly to you, that you probably have a story that's about the same too, where you lost something that was significant or important to you. Maybe it was a a diamond ring that was expensive. Maybe it was something that was inexpensive but important. 
and you lost it, and you panicked, and you didn't give up until you found it. And when you did find it, there was rejoicing. There was celebration. And whether other people cared or not, they were going to know that you found what you lost. Maybe in the comments you could share a little uh, description or item of something that you've lost and have found and, and how that made you feel. And I want us to, to think about that for us because this sets the stage for the story that Jesus will tell. Uh, and I'm excited this week for our story readers. Uh, it's the Diaz family and their newest family member. So they'll be sharing with us these three parables from Luke 15. Let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Lewis. Sarah and Louie. And we are glad to share our scripture with you today. Luke 15, 3 and 4, Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? Luke 15, 8. Or what woman, if she owned 10 silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? Luke 15, 11, 13. Jesus said, A certain man has two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterwards, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. Thank you, Diaz family, for sharing our scripture. And thank you, Lily, for making your uh, TV debut. Uh, those who shared in the comments, uh, Jude and the parable of the lost socks. Uh, <laughs> the parable of the lost Corbin at Universal Studios. And uh, right, so these are the stories, uh, a lost wedding ring. These are the stories that, that I think help us to see what exactly is happening here and why this story speaks about how Jesus can turn the world upside down, right? So keep those in mind as we continue, because each of these stories have something in common. Whether it's the sheep, whether it's the coin, whether it's uh, the parable of the lost son. Now, we only read a small portion of that, and that story uh, has a lot more to it, but I wanted to focus on the core pieces that these three stories have. Each of them has a main character who has something to lose. Each of them has a recovery and a restoration, we'll talk about that, and each of them has a celebration that ensues. There's one more thing that all these stories have together, and it's part of the point that Jesus is trying to make. Each of these stories include grumbling and grumpy Pharisees, people who are not excited about what has been found. And it tells us that sometimes there is frustration that someone else is getting God's attention over them. And that's going to be one of the key points of this story, is how others respond when there's celebration at the thing or the person that is found. So I want to take a look at each of these briefly this morning. I want to begin by talking about the lost sheep. The one sheep that is lost. And so just try to imagine this for yourself, that you're a sheep and you are lost in the woods. You are aware that there is danger from predators, that there is a lack of water that you need, 
and that there's a lack of shelter. Now, sheep are about the same then as now, and it reminds us of how important it would be for us as those who are lost to be found by God. And how important it is for us to know that God would never write us off and that God would always come and seek and find us and return us and restore us and celebrate with us. Now, sheep are very uh, social creatures and they uh, enjoy, as much as I guess they can, being together. And so part of this idea of the one who is lost is not just the anxiety of being lost and separated. Now, as we talked about in the kids' moment, this is kind of about the idea of of separation. Obviously, the sheep knows where it is. The coin, if it had the ability to, would know where it is. The the son who wanders away also knows where they are. So it's more about this idea of separation. And when the sheep is separated from the flock and from the shepherd, it, it experiences this anxiety that only makes matters worse for it. Because it panics and it doesn't know what to do. So it's not making wise choices. It's not making the decisions that it should make. And this, I believe, really illustrates how we live our lives when we're separated from God. Whether that's kind of a long-term separation, whether we've been away from God for a long period of time, or if we've never really resonated with the message that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, and we've always felt separated from God. Or if this is just a season in our life whether a day or a week or a month where we do feel distant and separated from God, and perhaps just because we've wandered away. Because the sheep will get so agitated and so anxious uh, and basically so unhelpful to its own rescue, the, the image that Jesus is trying to lift up here would have been familiar to the first century audience but needs a little more explanation for us who do not keep sheep at our houses, right? So what the shepherd would have had to do was to go out and to find the sheep that was lost. And when the sheep was lost, they couldn't just say, like, you know, like, come here, come here, little sheep, come here, fluffy, and like, doot, 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 and follow the shepherd home. The shepherd would have to pick up the sheep and carry it home. And I'm told that the easiest way to carry a sheep is to put the sheep on your shoulders and to carry the sheep back to the pen that way, back to the flock back to its family, back to safety. And remember, these parables are all about explaining to the community that's there, the people who are there listening, what it looks like when God shows up in the world in the person of Jesus. And so what it tells us is that this is how God treats us. We don't see Jesus going out or the shepherd going out and scolding the sheep, you know, like, bad sheep, you shouldn't have left, right? We see the seeking, the finding, the placing on the shoulders. And I I imagine that that is how Jesus has to carry us at times and how God desires to carry us back. Not with a bunch of guilt, not with shaming us, but simply with that, that comfortable place of safety and security, knowing that, okay, God's got me and I'm going back home. And how comforting that image is for us when we feel lost when we feel separated. The shoulders that were being carried on are Jesus's. And here's the point of this particular story. The one that is missing matters and is noticed and is sought and is found 
and is returned by the one, the, the capital O, the, the Jesus, the one, right, God. And here's the result in real life. The others grumble. Remember, Jesus is telling a story about sheep, but he's telling a story about sheep to a group of people who are there, many of whom who have felt like sheep who have never been included or never been involved or welcomed into the formal religious life of their day. In that same group would be the Pharisees and the religious leaders who kind of held religious authority and power, which also meant they held political and social authority and power. And Jesus is saying that God is leaving those who are safe and already connected and already a part of things to go and to find the ones who have been excluded or lost or separated and bring them into community. And this makes those who are already a part of that community upset and grumble because they're being left for a moment in safety. We'll come back to this. Let's look at the parable of the coins, and you'll notice that we go from a hundred sheep and one that's lost to ten coins and one that's lost. So you see how this is building. There's an increased urgency to find these things, and the the cultural image that would have been painted was that this was a woman who lives in a village and probably is told to us as someone who lived in a house that didn't have any windows because they tell us that she needs to sweep the floor to find it. And the purpose of sweeping the floor would have been because there's no natural light that comes into the house, so she might have had candlelight, but that creates a lot of shadow. So by sweeping the floor, she might hear the, the jingle of a coin when she finally hits it. And that would give her a hint. But whatever else is happening for her on that particular day, the most important thing to her is finding this one coin. Back then, a coin, 10 coins would have been about 10 days' wages. It could have represented for someone in her status uh, what we would call a life savings or uh, their rainy day fund, right? So one coin lost would be incredibly problematic and incredibly important to find. So that's why whatever else was happening in that moment, she knew where the nine coins were. They were safe. It was the one that was missing. I mean, think of it this way. Uh, if we were in you know, the movie theater and, or in a space where we're gathered together, I might, tell you to, uh, I might say it this way. If there was a $100 bill under your seat, you know, say I taped a $100 bill under someone's seat, would you just be like, that's okay. I won't look. I'm fine. You can look, but I'm good. My hunch is that every one of us would, would, you know, check under our seat and see if that was under our seat. That would represent that same kind of loss to that particular woman. Maybe you can check under your couch cushions at home. You may find $100. You may, you may find a lot of other stuff. I mean, you're welcome to check your own cushions. I didn't hide anything there from you. You hid those. The emphasis here, of course, is on the heavenly joy that happens when one lost person or one person who's felt separated from God is found by God and is brought into the community. It happened with the sheep. It happened with the coin. That once the thing that was lost was found, there was a party that was thrown because it's that good of news. And how problematic it became for the religious leaders and authorities 
to see that attention from God was being shifted from them, who, remember, were safe, onto the one that was missing. And all of a sudden, they're thinking, well, hey, what about us? Aren't you paying attention to us? So, again, remember, the one who is missing matters, is noticed, is sought, is found, and is returned home by the one, and the others grumble. So we move on to the parable that talks about the child who is uh, lost in the way of they go out on their own and they wander away and they spend all their money to the point where they're separated from their family. Now, I want you to notice the escalation. We went from, with the sheep, one out of a hundred, with the coin, one out of ten, and with the child, one out of two children. So you can see that the focus remains the same. It's still about the one who is lost, the one who is lost. Now, that particular parable about uh, the lost son has been um, lifted up many different times, so I don't want to go too far down that road only to say it's with urgency and a deep sense of desire that the father continues to look out the window, hoping for the day when far off and down the road they will see that one child who is missing return and come home. The one who is lost returns. And the party and the celebration that ensues when he finally does. And in each of these cases, we notice that God doesn't punish the one who was wandering or lost or separated. God welcomes with an open embrace. And that in part makes the Pharisees upset. Because they're living right. And these people who are just coming into the community now, they need to they need to kind of know that they've been doing things wrong. We need to make sure that they know that the Bible says that the life they're living isn't correct, right? That, that feels like how churches often do things, is by making a big point of saying, we're glad you're here. Let us tell you everything about your life that's wrong, and let us layer on some good Christian guilt, right? That doesn't happen when Jesus turns the world upside down. When one comes home to God, there is a celebration. And the celebration that Jesus is pointing to is the celebration in heaven that happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior for the first time, when we come home after a period of being away from God, when we recommit our lives to following Jesus. That, there's a celebration in heaven, and there ought to be a celebration in the church when it happens too. And I hope that's the case. And what this parable tells us is poignant for the season that we live in. Uh, perhaps you, like me, have seen one of those uh, comics or, or memes or, or gifts, I forget which format it's in, floating around on the internet. And it's got a picture of the 99 sheep kind of over here on one side and Jesus going after the one sheep and the 99 sheep are saying, hey, hey, what about us? And basically Jesus says, you're safe. I'm going after the one. You may have also seen it this way. The 99 sheep are over here saying, hey, 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 all lives matter. And Jesus says, right now one life matters because you're safe and this one's not. And, and I think that's a, been a helpful way to understand the difference between when someone says, well, all lives matter, versus, and usually in response to when someone says, well, black lives matter. Because the 99 sheep grumble, what about us? 
the nine coins as Pharisees, we might imagine to grumble and say, what about us? Don't we matter too? Of course they matter. Of course they matter. But they're not the ones that are in danger right now. They're not the ones that are hurting right now, right? They may perceive that to be the case because Jesus is helping someone else. I have a friend and a colleague, another pastor, uh, who put it this way. Uh, And he said, you know, if I break my arm, (laughs) all my bones matter. But right now this arm is broken and hurts and is in pain. So I'm going to take care of this bone right now. The rest of the bones are good. And that's that's the difference when we say that Black Lives Matter because there is significant pain and, and systematic oppression and racism that have been here for a long time. And many of us are just kind of waking up to this. And so this is a parable that tells us that the one that is missing or is separated matters, is noticed, is sought, is found, is returned. And there ought to be rejoicing because there's rejoicing in heaven And this is a good moment for us to check ourselves. Are we grumbling because we're not getting enough attention right now? Or are we rejoicing that things might be changing? Maybe we can look inside and see the ways in which we have been grumbling, right? And the ways that we can shift that to celebrating with those who have been found and are hopefully becoming more safe. You see, this is the upside-down world that Jesus was presenting, and it made people upset then, and it seems to make people upset now. But what we're trying to see is that this is how God sees the world. That in those days, the Pharisees saw themselves as better than most, as important, and Jesus was inviting them to see people who were excluded and to find ways to welcome them into the community and to be excited when that happened. And yet they responded with what I call a righteous grump. Like, ugh, why are those people here? This happens in churches too. You know, when, when, when churches or people might begin to say, well, you know, you don't spend enough time focusing on us who are, who are here, who are part of the church. You know, you're spending your time talking about those who are not here. What about us who are here? Well, of course, you matter. We all matter. But the point is not... the taking all the energy for those who are safe. The point is, how do we take, knowing that we are safe and that we are beloved and that we are cared for by God, how do we leverage that energy to go and reach someone who doesn't know the good news or who feels like they've been excluded? How do we get over the sense of saying, what about me, to saying, how can I be of service to others? I think that's the core of the gospel Having had our lives transformed by Jesus, how do we begin to share that with others? That's the challenge that I have to live into each day, and you do too. There's a a great quote by William Temple, and it says that the church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not its members. Every other group that we belong to, whether civic, whether uh, maybe like a, a country club or a community group, or they exist for the benefit of their members primarily and probably do other social good too. The church exists for the sake of those who are not yet here. And let's be honest, that turns things upside down 
and makes things a little bit uncomfortable. But Jesus invites us to focus on the joyful reunion that's experienced when one who is lost or separated finds their way home. Whether they're carried home on the arms of our Savior, whether they're found in the darkness as that coin was, whether they have wandered away and and squandered their life and resources and finally come trudging back home. And God doesn't layer on guilt, but simply says, I'm so glad to see you. I've missed you. And I'm glad you're here. This is the expansive grace of God. This is the nature of how God responds to the recovery of the lost. And it gives us insight on how God sees us and the rest of the world. So these three stories teach us about God's heart and how that should affect our heart and our attitudes. And so my challenge for us this week is to identify within us any of that righteous grump that we have, any of that desire we have that says, hey, what about me? And see if we can't turn that around and say, what about you? What about you? And opening our eyes to those around us who are seeking the hope of God and don't know where to find it, those who are going through hard times, those who have simply never heard the gospel message presented to them in a way that makes sense. And that's the job of all of us as the church together is to live that way. So I hope this week that we can find some things and some people who've been lost. And that begins with us seeking God. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.